Hello again. This is Noah and John. We are from Urban Digs. We're talking Manhattan. We got Shlomi Ravini here today, Johnny. We're here. We're at the beautiful offices sitting at the front of uh, Union Square. I almost just want to turn around and, and look out the window. Yeah, it's a gorgeous it's a gorgeous. View. Please day. do. We're paying rent for this, and it should be enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> and this is our new development conversion uh, podcast today. Yeah, so. I'm really looking for, there's a there's a ton of confusion in all all walks of the market these days, but I think none more so than the new development, the new conversion market. Yeah. Not, not only with po- recent policy changes, but just in terms of the actual supply and demand uh, sure. functions that are happening. So I can't, I'm really looking forward yeah, to that. So let's jump right into it. So Shlomi, uh, 33-year real estate veteran, um, owner of um, Ruvini Real Estate, which is a brokerage firm, but you specialize in conversions and ground up, correct? That's right. I've been in business since 1986. Um, I've done everything from brokerage to management to uh, relocation of expats into the city for various companies. I worked for Corcoran for 12 years. I ran the new development division for Brian Harris Stevens for seven years. I was I ran the new development division for town uh, right. for two and a half years, and I opened up my firm in 2017. Right. And the firm focuses on marketing and sales of new development projects. Yeah, and, and, and I've been following you. You're doing great, and um, you're winning more and more projects, and that's fantastic. All that hard work is fantastic. Um, so let's just start high level really quick. Um, what do you see going on in the new development market right now? Challenging across the board. Um, I think you can say that in every single neighborhood and every single sub-market. Uh, when I say challenging, I'm, I'm talking about absorption, mm-hmm. demand, uh, and supply. Mm-hmm. Now, there is reality in this, there is perception. And the perception in the marketplace is that things are going to get tougher, uh, that we might be heading into a recession because this is what um, all the headlines uh, right. are and that's what everybody's talking about. Right. Um, that there's more supply coming in, that there's... A, there's inventory in the market that hasn't been absorbed and is it's difficult to absorb um, and if you look on black and white statistics and data it's not just perception it's correct the absorption rate in the past year was worse than last year and last year was worse than the year before mm-hmm. so the question is what's coming mm-hmm. so so in terms of um, pipeline um, there's a lot of supply coming this year next year I and mean, at, at what point does it kind of start to ease a little bit can you see that far it's, it's difficult to say, and uh, I see this a little differently. Uh, I don't think the issue is that of supply and demand. Mm-hmm. I think the issue is that of consumer confidence. Mm-hmm. In other words, I've been in business long enough to have been through the different cycles. I was mm-hmm. here for Black Monday in 1987. I was here for the uh, high-tech explosion in 1999, early 2000. I was here for the events of 2001, September 11th. Mm-hmm. And I was here for 2008 and 2009. And conditions in every one of those cycles, conditions were much worse than they are today. There was no money. There was no financing. uh, There was just no capital in the street. Mm -hmm. Today, we're flush with capital. People have money. Rates are very low. Um, Money is is given for free right now. The issue is not with uh, supply. The issue is with demand based on... Um, consumer, the lack of consumer confidence. You know, this has been a theme, John, um, on all the podcasts, and I hope that if there's any agents or consumers of agents listening to this podcast, um, it's been a policy-driven reset here. It's all about policies. Policies affects consumers, consumers' behavior, right? Would you agree with that? That that we're absolutely, at- yeah. okay. absolutely. The, the recent laws uh, in terms of taxes, in terms of conversions of yep. condos have really created a mood, a very negative mood in the city. Right. And that's just feeding on itself, Right. Uh, and it's affecting everybody. It's affecting all the way from capital partners and developers on top, all the way down um, to the consumer. But if you're, if you're a capital partner and you're sitting at the top of the pyramid and you've already got 
six, seven, eight, nine, a, a decade of work into actually getting the plots, getting all the permits. What are, you, what are you thinking right now? Are you thinking, do you have to keep pushing forward or? It depends on your nature as, a, as an investor and your outlook in terms of the local market, the national market, yep. and New York in general. Because if I was in that seat, I'd be you know, sort of rubbing palms right now and waiting for something to happen, for yep. some type of a correction. Because it, by nature, I'm very optimistic about New York yep. and I only see good things for New York going into the future. Now, the, the, the small minutiae of week by week, month by month, and year by year can have ups and downs. But if you look at real estate values in a city, in Manhattan, in mm -hmm. New York, for the past 50 years, if you look at the graph, it always goes up. So it's just a matter of buying right. And if you have the capital and you have the outlook for the next few years, uh, there will be an adjustment period in this city. Mm -hmm. um, prices will reset. It just it has to happen. It's just a matter of time. I think it's, I think it's happened. I think it, or it's happening, or we're kind of at the end of that cycle. I mean, it's definitely happened. We're not. I mean, we're I, down I, another question I have for you is when you talk about prices resetting, is it is it more difficult now to reset those prices because a lot of the capital structure for developments has changed in the last decade or so versus say the early two thousands or the late nineties? Sure. So there's much more equity in deals today than right. there were, than there was in two thousand eight two thousand nine, um, and and it might take a little longer for actually for prices to reset. A developer also cannot just sit back and say, okay, make a decision, okay, I'm going to reduce prices. It's yeah. just, it just doesn't work that like that. For a resale owner, it could, right? Because that decision is quicker to make possibly. For a developer, they have to consult with their partners. There are bottom line numbers that they may agree to or not agree to, and they may not be able to make that decision. Not that they would want to. So they're waiting. They're waiting for possibly the market to change in a positive way. I just, I don't, I'm not sure that that will happen right. uh, short term. I right. think that that will happen, right. but we have to go through an adjustment period, a reset. Uh, prices do have to get adjusted for consumers to feel comfortable and confident that they're getting good deals. So they jump into the market. Absorption will take place and that will take care of, of existing inventory and pipeline as well. When you look at the pipeline numbers, yeah, there's stuff coming, but it's not crazy numbers that will just flood the market if conditions in terms of demand mm -hmm. were there. Right. So um, I think it's all about pricing, it's all about numbers. For the right price, people will purchase. Do, it can happen today. Do you think a lot of developers out there or, or, or um, the agents that are marketing these projects for developers are holding those prices artificially high and preventing deals right now because of construction loans or other investors or other things and not moving property where you kind of think, guys, if you, if you just do what you got to do here and let people know what's going on and where these deals are, it'll clear out the inventory and we'll start this cycle quicker on the upside. Sitting in a, in a seat of a broker and look, what I do is um, I, I do get into the shoes of a developer. I get into the shoes of a broker. Of course, I've been a broker for the past 33 years and I think like one. But I also understand the new development business from the investment part and from the developer side. A broker that represents a new development project, of course, what they would tell their developer is, is, look, these are market conditions, this is what it's like, we're getting demand for the project, but people are not willing to pay prices. So if you reduce your prices, we will sell. Mm -hmm. That's the spiel that you hear all day long, right? It's not like they're holding back on prices, the brokers, it's not like they're trying to keep them uh, high artificially. Now, the developer may not be able to do it at this point, or the developer may not be at the point where they have to do it right now, mm -hmm. right? They may not be hurting yet, right. right? There's a point where the money, the, the debt, right, starts knocking at the door. 
And at that point, they start feeling the pain. And at that point, decisions do have to be made in terms of pricing, in terms of adjustments, and so forth. Right. But those adjustments will hurt a developer, possibly. Right. Because their profit margins will go down right. if they do. The bank, the capital, the investors will get their money. Right. The developer may not. So they try to kick the can down the road. Right. Now, a developer, if they're in a position where they can use, reduce prices today and get inventory out the door, I think if they're able to do it, they will do it. Mm -hmm. They would do it, and eventually they'll have to do it. It's just a matter of time at this point. Right. This is really, really very interesting. Um, Shlomi, could you speak to, um, I mean, what type, what types of leveled buyers are coming in with, with deals here? I mean, are they coming in, are there buyers out there? Are they putting in deals? Is it, is it close to acceptability, or is it, are these buyers just throwing in crazy low offers that aren't being respected. Sure. So I think it's, again, it's all across the board because I'm seeing buyers right now that have to purchase. Right. There's no, so let, let's backtrack again. Because of the environment, because of the recent news, because of the new tax laws, because of the increase of transfer mm -hmm. taxes and mansion tax, because of every headline and every publication on a daily basis in terms of how negative things are, there is no incentive to purchase. That's the biggest issue because, again, buyers are saying, why should I jump into the market today? Why should I not wait a year? Let's see yeah. where things go. Maybe it's a bottom, maybe it's not. Maybe in another year I can get a better deal. In the meantime, why don't I rent? Mm -hmm. I can get great rental today. I can conserve my money. I have the capital and I can maybe invest elsewhere and come back in a year and I'll see where things are, right? That is the possibly, that's what's going on in the market today and that's why maybe we're not seeing absorption because again of lack of confidence. The lack of confidence could be because of local economy, national economy, geopolitical stuff, you know, politics, you know, right. the White House. Um, concerns about a war, concerns about a trade war, concerns about a lot of different issues. The psychology the plays cycle. into it, yeah, right? Yeah. However, there are people, this is New York, this is a big city. Yeah. There are people that have to buy. You might uh, need to upgrade, you might have a kid and you might need a larger space. You might get divorced, you might need to downgrade. Your kid might be moving into the city, you might be relocating into the city. So there's always a need at some level. Mm -hmm. Now that need is smart today because they know conditions and they have good brokers representing them most of the time, not mm -hmm. always, most of the time, and they try to get great deals. And those offers, when they come in, you know, could be anywhere from 5 to 15 to 20% off ask, mm -hmm. depending on the project and depends on what it is that they're looking for. And we're, looking, we're seeing this across the board. Mm -hmm. It could be in a, for a product that's at $2,000 a foot, mm -hmm. or it could be a product that's at $5,000 a foot. You know, that level of negotiation right now is there, it's very difficult to put deals together. Mm -hmm. A buyer may commit to something, have an accepted offer, contract go out, and the deal could be canceled tomorrow. Why? Who knows? Again, it's a very touchy market, right. very sensitive right. market, and any headline mm -hmm. can change somebody's um, uh, decision on, on what to do. Mm -hmm. But I am seeing that there's definitely money out there, and we are doing deals. The deals that we're doing, I believe, for the consumer, are smart, are smart deals. They're, they're purchasing smart, they're making smart offers, and they're getting great property now, right. which I believe long-term will benefit them. I think mm -hmm. what, what people are buying into today is, is, a, is, is good prices that will have an upside in the future. Right, are they, are they negotiating just on prices? Are they getting concessions too, or a combination a of A smart both? broker will negotiate on everything. Gotcha. Right, they will negotiate on terms, they will negotiate on incentives, they will negotiate on transfer taxes, uh, they negotiate on price. I love that because I mean, you're really you're telling buyers out there to, to get representation, and that a smart broker will will take care of you right. accordingly. Uh, right. I would totally I would, agree. I want nothing more than when a deal comes in. Um, my ideal situation is is to deal with a smart broker, right. somebody who knows the competition, knows the comps, I love that. knows how to communicate with a buyer, 
uh, knows how to communicate with us, mm-hmm. you know, with this transparency, because right. all we want to do is do deals. Right. Well, at some point, right. you can agree. You can. It's much probably much easier to agree on value with someone who has experience in the market versus a consumer who's looking at may, maybe price, maybe a small concession here and there. Maybe right. relative to something else that's right. not, not comparable. Yeah. Right, because a good broker has a sort of a bird's eye view over the market, right? right? And they understand the history of, uh, let's call it value, they understand the history of projects. And they can advise their buyers in a more sensible way. Right. A buyer, and that's why I love dealing with brokers. Good brokers make deal happens, right? right? Sometimes when you have a buyer that comes in without a broker representation, it's very tough. It mm-hmm. gets too emotional. It gets too confusing. The information that's communicated, it's not necessarily all there, right? They may open up to a broker more than they would open up to me if, yeah. it's always, if it was a direct deal. Interesting. So, so let me ask, I'm just curious, you know, we, we took a quick tour before we started this, and one of the things you had is you have a fully built-out model kitchen for, was it 90 Morton Street right. in here? And for all the brokers in, out there right now that aren't doing any new development deals but would really kind of love to dip their toes in the water, I mean, it seems like an all-encompassing sort of sphere. How, how can they sort of get started? In new developments? In new developments, sort of either start with clients or start finding developers themselves or sort of better understand this market. I I can imagine what you've learned over 30 years to get to this point right now. Um, Sure. And there are brokers that are are at the top of their game and they're probably itching to just try to get into that game. Sure. And I think a lot of brokers are trying to get into the game. A lot of brokers have been trying to get into the game. And a lot of brokers are in the game, yeah. right? When I started doing new developments, it was in 1997 when I got introduced to one new development deal. And at that time, there wasn't much new development in the city. The city was mostly about co-ops uh, and about rentals. Yeah. Um, and that's like when, when that's when things really started for the new development world. And I really started with just one relationship, a relationship that turned into it was an investor that turned into a developer. Uh, I did their project really, really well. Mm-hmm. Funny, I'm thinking back on it night uh, now. It was was unsold chairs uh, that they bought in a co-op on 84th Street uh, between East End Avenue and New York Avenue. It was 70 apartments at an average of $100,000 a pop. So I, I sold 70 apartments for $7 million. Imagine that, mm-hmm. 70 units for seven. And that was my introduction to new developments. And who knew about you know, floor plans and layouts and doing combinations and choosing finishes and mechanicals yeah. and then doing marketing and branding and, and then doing sales. How do, you, how do you sell 70 units in one building when you're just a resale broker and you know nothing about right. that world? And I had to learn. It was tough. It was really tough. Uh, but I did. And from that, that you know, went and became a $10.5 million deal and then a $25 million deal. And then I got a $250 million project. Awesome. And things really changed for me. I think today things are a little more competitive and a little mm-hmm. more different. And today, just because you're a smart broker and a good broker and a productive broker and a successful broker, it doesn't mean um, that you'll do very well with new developments. It's a different hat altogether. And the game is not where it used to be. Hmm. Today, you really have to be very careful about what you represent, what you build, how you advise a developer. And I would highly recommend for any any broker that's out there who has a relationship with, with this potential for them to get into the game, whether by because they know someone who's looking to develop or they somehow fall onto a deal, to really get into a context within their companies um, of really relying on a company for resources and for information. Okay. Because companies that do new development, when they have a division doing it um, and have been doing it for a while, really know where to watch out yeah. and, and really how to work within AG, within DOB, within developer, within right. capital partners. 
Yeah. Uh, and you really need that context and that framework and that structure in order to do a new development deal well. Yeah, that sounds wise because, I mean, imagine there's a lot of landmines for, for, for newbies in that area that don't know how to set that up properly. And again, you'll learn, you'll make mistakes and you'll learn, but you're, you're trying not to make those mistakes. Um, this is great. Um, Shlomi, are, are developers building right now brand new stuff, starting new projects? Yes. So we, we're not seeing as many permits today, new permits as we have. Um, in the past, but there's definitely new construction happening. There are conversions still happening. Don't forget that there are deals that were made, uh, sites that were purchased two years ago, three years ago, right. uh, that have been in planning all along and will come out to market. Right. Uh, so it really depends on when you bought a site, but there is stuff coming. We're working right now on four new um, projects, four new projects. Um, just, just awaiting, yeah, just awaiting, um, you know, DOB approvals and then awaiting mm -hmm. AG approvals before we launch. Uh, and those developers are moving on with their projects, even though you got to be careful today as a developer with your performer. Right. Right. Where's your pricing going to be in a year if you bought the site two, three years ago and your performer base was based on market conditions at that point? Mm -hmm. Right. We're not there anymore. And who knows where uh, prices will be tomorrow? You know, we are, I believe, going into a reset mode here in the city in terms of values, in terms of pricing. So you really have to feel confident that you bought the site at a very right. low basis yeah. where you could still make money on it um, given, you know, changing market conditions. It's a good point. All, all these, all these, a lot of these developments that are out there right now are starting initial pricing or, or within 12 months of, you know, they started within a year ago. Those were set two, three years ago. Yeah. So. Another thing to keep in mind with every cycle, so in 2008 and 9, mm -hmm. there were no new permits. There was no new construction. No, the market stopped. Right. For like two to three years. And what happened in, in that period of time is you had absorption. You know, uh, Bloomberg was the mayor. He created an incredibly positive environment within the city in terms of capital um, investment, foreign capital investment. And the city flourished in those years, but there was no new product. It got to a point in late 2010, uh, early 2011, where the market started to pick up again. Yeah. There was huge demand of mm -hmm. buyers that made a lot of money on Wall Street. And an inventory problem at that time. And no inventory. Yeah. Right. yeah. No inventory. And that's why projects like 150 Charles, like uh, the, um, Walker Tower, like uh, you know 56 Leonard, mm -hmm. 157 West 57th Street when it first opened, uh, did extremely well at that time because people jumped in with capital, with, with cash. There was wow. nothing really to purchase because there was nothing new. And those projects, at least you know, a big percentage of those projects for about two years, were just like gobbled up. Yeah. Uh, I did a project called the Laureate on mm -hmm. uh, 76th Street and Broadway, where we had no idea what the market will be in 2010. Um, and then we launched in 2011, it was 76 units at an average price of about six to six and a half million dollars. It was a huge sellout at high price per square foot in the market that was never tested before with that product. And we sold out the building, it was over $500 million in less than eight months. Mm -hmm. So that was the conditions then, which yeah. if you know history and you look at the cycles, that may repeat itself again in two years if we're seeing right now less and less permits. That's what I'm thinking, and that's, yeah. and that's the narrative here. And by the way, I'm looking at a supply chart. I know you can't see it, but the, uh, the users can here. Um, and I'm looking here, and I can see new development inventory just bottomed out. It, there was 270 units um, on the market in, in mid-2013. 270, Shlomi. And now we had around 1,300 or so new development units. Well that's, well, that's 270 basically publicized units for sale. Yeah, but the, I mean, curious. we have nothing else to, to, to No, but I'm just, right. I, yeah. 
I, it's, it's usually the tip of the iceberg. So I'm curious, like, if there's yeah. one unit for sale, how many are really sort of quiet? Well, for sale just to preface time? that question, I, so, so what John's talking about here is that you got a developer, right? And mm-hmm. developer has a 140-unit building, and what they do is they, they release 25 units, right, mm-hmm. into, the, into the RLS system, and they keep the other units aside. And then maybe they do amendment later on, a price sure. change, release yeah. another 25. Could you, so two questions. Could you explain why sponsors do that? And number two is, is, I guess, could you estimate, I mean, this 1,287 number that I'm seeing for supply is clearly not the real number. It's probably multiples of that because of the hidden. So, of course, when you have a building, let's call it a 100-unit building as a developer or as a marketer, as a broker, and you're about to, you want to start selling, first of all, you have to have an offering plan in place, right? So you get the offering plan approved by the AG, and then you want to go to market. You're not going to put 100 units on the market. Right. Those units kind of repeat themselves. There's certain lines in the building, A line, B line, C line, and you may have 20 of each, you know, in each line. So you may put an inventory on the market, 5, 10, 12 apartments, 15 apartments that represent the whole building in terms of inventory, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to put the whole building on the market. Now, if you have 15 units on the market, but you have 100 in this building, you really have 100 units for sale. Mm-hmm. It's not just 15 units for sale. Right. So when you look at Street Easy and you look at inventory and new developments and you get a, an X number for in terms of active on the market, mm-hmm. that's obviously not all the inventory that's available right. for right. sale. Because again, any developer that I know of or developer is just in, at large, if you have a building, you want to sell it out. Mm-hmm. If the market conditions are great and they continue to climb up and demand is so good that you're just selling apartments fast, you may want to hold back Put certain units on the market, sell them, increase prices, sell them, and increase prices and, again. And that's how it was in 2005, 6, 7, and probably 2013, 14, etc. Sure. Yeah. So exactly, five, six, seven were like that. We, we, I mean, we went through, and this is where the absorption issue comes up, right? And this is how you compare absorption now. We used to have, we used to be able to sell a hundred, hundred unit building in eight months, six months. Right. You know, 12 months, 15 months, that's how performers were built. That's like 10 apartments a month. Today, the same building, if you sell two apartments per month, three apartments per month, you're in good shape. Wow. So the performer changes, the time on market changes, and for a developer who has to carry the building, right, and there are a lot of nuances in terms of carrying a building as well, right? You have debt, you have your capital, um, you know, and then once you start closings, if you only sold 15, 20% of your building, why would you start closings? Because once you start closings, on one hand, you get money in and you can pay the bank to reduce your loan. On the other hand, now you have to carry the building, common charges, taxes, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So there's a balancing act here in terms of doing the math, yeah. right? But in terms of inventory, yeah, you have to understand, you know, you have to look at this in terms of big picture and understand which offering plans were approved when. Mm-hmm. And once they were approved, theoretically, any developer would want to start selling as soon as possible. So in theory, every offering plan that gets approved, that's inventory that's on the market. Right. Whether it's officially on the market or not, it's on the market. Right. Now we also have developers that go to, don't go to market immediately. Yep. Right? That's also been a practice. When we sold the Laureate you know, in 2010, mm-hmm. there was no market. May of 2010 is when we got our uh, offering plan approved. And it was not wise to go to market because we had no idea you know, about absorption and demand. So we started selling from my office. And we sold 25% of the building from my office, without a sales office, without a model apartment, just on floor plans, which indicated to us where the demand was. I was not on a market, and if you looked at Street Easy, there was less inventory because my units went out on the market. But we were selling, mm-hmm. right? So that's another component mm-hmm. of when you look at 
what you call maybe calling shadow inventory, right. what is out there that could be sold today but not officially listed, but in a way should be considered in terms of inventory. And, and do you consider shadow inventory when you talk about absorption rates at all? Of course, I do, but it, it isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily always go into calculations uh, yeah. when I see reports. Because to me, if, it, if an AG approved the plan, um, whether you're on a market or not, or whether you're officially on a market or not, it's inventory that needs to be sold. Mm -hmm. And what developer would not want to sell it? So I, I think we just we do have to be transparent. And if we're looking at numbers and we're trying to understand the market in, in real time, also consider that as well. Very interesting. This is fantastic. Shlomi, we're going to have to have you back on here because we can talk forever on this kind of stuff. And we're out of time. This has been great. Shlomi Ruvini, thank you so much. This is Noah and John. We are from Urban Digs. We are Talk in Manhattan. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks, you.